You're listening to the Food Files podcast, the latest from the Oklahoma State University Robert M. Kerr Food and Agricultural Product Center. Here's your host, Darren Scott. Welcome to the Food Files. I'm your host, Darren Scott, and today's guest is a returnee, Dr. William McGlynn, FAPC Horticultural Processing Specialist. Good morning, William. Good morning, Darren. I think this is what, maybe your fourth time on the show? Uh, something like that, yeah. So, very own um, hmm, Troy McClure. <laughs> uh-huh. Except I, I don't have a large aquarium at home. <laughs> Uh, before we get started, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about what you do here at FAPC. Sure. So I'm a food scientist. I've worked here for quite a while now. I'm the fruit and vegetable processing specialist. That's my official title. Um, so I do a lot of technical outreach with regulatory compliance, product development, process development, process approval, that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about the expansion of the big eight allergens into the big nine allergens. And so maybe the, the place to start would be a little bit further back. Maybe you talk a little bit about the Food Allergen Labeling and Consumer Protection Act of 2004. So I was wondering if you could talk just a little bit about that and how it relates to the big eight allergens. Mm -hmm. So as you say, that was a law that was passed back in 2004, and the goal was to identify major allergens, and that, that's simply a function of how many people are allergic to those particular substances, uh, so that they would be identified on food labels so that people who are allergic to those substances will know that they're in the food and can avoid them. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Food Allergen Safety Treatment Education and Research Act of 2021. So what's that all about? So that is basically an amendment to the existing law. And what it does, it increases funding for allergy research because, unfortunately, food allergens uh, uh, is an increasing problem. There seems to be more people who are experiencing food allergies uh, in the United States and around the world, as far as that goes. And so it increased funding for additional research to try and figure out what's going on with that. It also kind of formalized and created a pathway for adding additional allergens to the big eight, now the big nine, um, so that if additional allergens, major allergens are recognized in the future, there's a pathway for easily adding those uh, to the labeling laws. And the other thing that it did was, as you said, it added sesame to the list, formerly eight, now nine, major recognized allergens here in the United States. Okay. Well, is there any information out there about why sesame has uh, sort of crept up on us as a major allergen? Sure. And it's been recognized as an allergen in other countries. It just hasn't been in the United States. But the FDA is constantly monitoring. You know, there's a reportable food registry. People have adverse reactions to food. They can mm -hmm. report that. And so that's monitored and they kind of tally up you know, who has a reaction to different types of foods. And that's how the original big eight were identified. Okay. And so in terms of numbers, the numbers of folks who demonstrated an, an allergy to sesame got to a point where they decided, okay, this has reached a level where we really ought to recognize it as a major allergen. Do you know how many other foods outside of the big nine are responsible for uh, allergic reactions? So there are quite a few. 
And individuals can be allergic to a lot of different things. Studies show that there are at least 160 other types of foods that uh, folks have, have reported being allergic to. The number is probably greater than that. So it just depends. Some very few people are allergic to, and then others more people are allergic to. So the ones that are recognized as major are the ones that have large numbers of people who are allergic to them. But almost anyone can be allergic to almost any type of food. Let's talk a little bit more about the Food Allergy Safety Treatment Education and Research Act. Uh, From now on, I'm going to be referring to that as the FASTER Act. When do manufacturers have to be in compliance with the FASTER Act? So the deadline for compliance is January 1st, 2023. So is it possible that, you know, some of the manufacturers could um, already be in compliance with the FASTER Act? Sure. So the allergen labeling laws basically require that if your food contains one of the major identified allergens, that that is identified somehow on the label. And there are various options for how that's done. So as long as that ingredient is identified as such, using its common recognized name, so in this case, sesame, uh, as long as that's already on the label, either in the list of ingredients or the name of the food or with a contained statement, they would already be in compliance. Are there any instances where sesame might not appear in the ingredient statement? Yes, it could be included as a generic term. There are some things that are allowed to be listed generically on the label. Uh, For example, if you're using spices as a flavoring, Mm-hmm. Uh, you can list that just under the generic term spices. You don't have to identify each individual spice unless it's one of the major recognized allergens. Um, there are other flavoring blends, flavoring mixes that might contain it that wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be called out in the ingredient statement. There's one particular product, tahini. Some folks may be familiar with that. It's basically sesame butter. So the regulations, the standard labeling regulations require that ingredients be identified by their common and usual name. Well, the common and usual name for this product is tahini. If you didn't know that it was made from sesame, you might not recognize it. Is it true that undeclared allergens are one of the leading causes of food recalls in the United States. It is true. And that's been true for a number of years now. In some years, it is the major cause of food recalls. What component in the food is responsible for triggering the allergic reaction? So that varies a little bit from food to food. It's always some component associated or part of a protein. Uh, It's usually just one little small piece of a protein molecule that causes that reaction. And it could be more than one piece. So it's associated with protein in foods, but um, it's highly variable from food to food exactly what causes that reaction. How many people suffer from food allergies? It varies a little bit around the world, but in the United States, the estimates are it's about 10%. One in 10 adults and about one in 13 children suffer from some kind of food allergy, usually not severe, but in some cases very severe. And unfortunately, that number seems to be increasing. Well, that kind of leads into my next question then. Do you know or have any idea of why we're seeing this increase in allergies? That is a subject of a lot of research and no one knows for sure what is causing that. But we know that the allergic reaction is basically an overreaction from our immune system. And so there seems to be evidence to suggest that perhaps our immune system, if it isn't challenged enough early in life, it can become sort of hypersensitive, and that may lead to allergies later in life. And so, for example, we know that correlation is not causation, but we know from studies that households that have a dog, for example, 
children in such a household tend to have fewer food allergies. Folks who live in a farming community where they're exposed to a lot of soil in the environment, they tend to have a lower rate of food allergies. So we know it has something to do with the immune system, and it seems to have perhaps something to do with living a life that's perhaps too clean in some senses, especially as a young child. Well, that kind of leads into my next question then, speaking of children, is that previously uh, pediatricians had suggested delaying the introduction of allergenic foods as a way to prevent children from developing allergies. So it sounds like that's not the thinking anymore. That is not the thinking anymore. They've done a lot of studies on that, and the studies have shown to date anyway, that no, that doesn't help. It may not have any effect or it may actually be harmful. It may encourage the development of some of these food allergies. So the current recommendation is no, don't delay introducing young children to potential allergens. You know, we've talked a lot about food allergies. Uh, I just wanted to kind of segue just shortly into talking a little bit about food sensitivities. So what is the difference between a food allergy and a food sensitivity? So an allergic reaction is basically that immune system response. Individuals can have varying degrees of that response. And some people are extremely sensitive. And if you're extremely sensitive, then even a very, very small amount of this allergen can cause a full-blown allergic response. And that can develop in worst case into what's called anaphylactic shock, and that can be life-threatening. You basically go into shock. Your breathing becomes shallow. Your heart rate accelerates dramatically. You get hives, and it can be very serious. Sensitivity is usually that, you know, I mentioned earlier that an allergic reaction is typically to a protein Mm -hmm. or some component of a protein. Food sensitivity can be to a lot of different components in the food, not just proteins. And it's usually very dose-dependent. Okay. And so if you have a very small dose, you might not have any response at all. As the dose increases, as you consume more of whatever it is you're sensitive to, the severity of the reaction will increase. But it's, you know, it tends to lead to things like an upset stomach or maybe mild asthma symptoms or itching, things like that. Uh, It's very rarely life-threatening. So what are some foods that would fall into that category of food sensitivities? There are a lot of things that people can be sensitive to, but there are some that are fairly widely recognized. There are Mm -hmm. some color additives that are known to provoke uh, that sensitivity response in in individuals. And the classic example of that would be yellow number five. Um, Sulfites is an anti-browning and antimicrobial agent that's used in a lot of products. There's a use limit on that Mm -hmm. because, again, a fair number of people are sensitive to that. And if they consume too much, they might start to have these adverse reactions. Before we wrap things up, did you ever have any food allergies? (laughs) You know, that's a good question. Um, You know, I talked about... No, 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 no. (laughs) I I talked about anaphylactic shock. I I can speak to personal experience with that Mm -hmm. because I actually did experience that as a child because I was allergic to bee stings. Okay. And I was stung by a bee at one point. It's probably about 10 years old and went into anaphylactic shock and had to be rushed to the hospital and they administered adrenaline and all that. And so as a result of that, they gave me kind of a general allergen sensitivity test And they came back and said, well, looks like you're at least mildly allergic to a bunch of different things, but chocolate was one, soy was another, eggs was another. 
And so for a few years there, my parents tried to avoid feeding me those things. I didn't really mind the soy, but I kind of missed the chocolate. Yeah, I was going to say I could see that. At any rate, uh, you know, every once in a while I would sneak a little chocolate. Or, <laughs> and I never had any kind of adverse reaction to that. So hmm. after a while, we just kind of quit that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's wrap up this episode of The Food Files. Thanks for coming on again, William. Uh, my pleasure. Um, I'd also like to thank the listeners out there. And I'd also like to thank AgCom for the production of this podcast. Uh, for additional food industry information, please make sure to visit our website at food.okstate.edu. Until next time.